Do we get the message this morning? It's all right. <laughs> Amen. It's all right. Thank you, Jerome, for leading us in song. I want to take just a second. For the last couple of weeks, Jeff Adair has stepped up here and he's preached. And uh, I was listening this past week to the message. And I just want to say how, how proud I am of Jeff and the way he's growing. Uh, we are so blessed to have someone who loves our kids um, and is really working hard to grow in his faith. And I'm just I'm so happy with that. I'm happy. Uh, I'm happy that John, you know, two weeks ago, John spoke. And what that meant was I didn't have to preach for three weeks. So if you ask my kids, I haven't worked at all in three weeks. They don't come to the office with me much. But um, I, it is a blessing to have those young men and, and to be a part of watching them grow. I'm so so very happy for that. Now, this morning's sermon is on barriers, and I'm kind of breaking some barriers in my life. Uh, my wife came home this past weekend with two shirts. They're salmon. Okay, they're salmon. Now, she said they were pink, but I'm, I'm holding true to this as salmon. This is a new barrier for me, that I will wear a salmon shirt. Okay, uh, Jeanette says they're pink, but... I'm sticking with salmon, so I'm kind of out of my comfort zone today. I noticed John had a salmon shirt on this morning, so that the young crowd's wearing it. I'm okay. I feel comfortable in my skin now, and I can preach. Okay, turn in your Bible to John, the fourth chapter. John, the fourth chapter. We're going to be in verses 1 through 26 this morning. Um, for those of you who are uh, avid in reading your Bible, you'll know this is the story of the woman at the well. And I'm well aware that you've heard this story a number of times. Let me tell you just a quick story about how we get here this morning. Uh, last week, Brother Artrell Harris from the, the uh, Roswell Church of Christ calls me on Monday morning, says, Brother Dishman, um, the preacher for our revival tomorrow night uh, has fallen ill with some family things and, and, and some family sickness and he can't come. And I know you can write a sermon anywhere, anytime. So I'm asking you, can you come and, and, and preach for us Tuesday night? And, and I said, oh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, what I did was I, I showed up Tuesday night and I, I stepped up to the pulpit and I told the, the crowd, I said, Brother Artrell called me late for this sermon. So you'll have to excuse my notes. And I took a roll of Charmin and rolled out my scroll. And they were like, oh, boy, oh, boy. So you guys get a little more than the Charmin. I had some time to put an outline together. But the sermon and the message was so important for our culture that I wanted to deliver that sermon this morning because they gave me a wonderful topic from this story of the woman at the well. They asked me to focus on four things, the gender barrier, the race barrier, the social barrier, and finally the sexual barrier. And, and so these four things they wanted me to focus on, and they say you got about 24 minutes. So we're going to do kind of an outline of those barriers this morning, and I'm going to try to give you the gist of the story. See, in John chapter 3, before we jump into 4, we see a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes in search of Jesus because he knows there's a message that he needs to hear from him. But the thing about Nicodemus is he's a he's a valued man in his culture. He's a teacher. He's a leader. He's the guy that's the stuff from where he's from. 
He doesn't have to worry about what Jesus would think of him. He doesn't have to worry about what his own people would think of him. There's not a whole bunch of barriers other than for Nicodemus for him to come and have this conversation. And so so this this moment, this engagement of opportunity that Jesus has is really a pretty easy one. It came looking for him. So we read this and we think, okay, that's what evangelism looks like. Evangelism looks like that person that comes walking through our door, that everything's okay, everything's fine. They're looking for Jesus and it's going to be an easy Bible study. But unfortunately, evangelism isn't that way. And what we see in chapter four is we see Jesus engage in a different kind of relationship, a different kind of engagement with someone. And it's not going to be so easy because there are going to be some huge barriers in the way of evangelism. So here's some things that I want us to see this morning. The most important thing was that while while these two characters in the first part of the Gospel of John appear to have nothing in common, there's one thing that they have in common. And it's the one thing that they have in common with each other. And it's the one thing that they have in common with us, church. And that's that we're going to see two people who need to know God and grow closer to God through Jesus Christ. And there's not a person in this place. And there's not a person beyond this place that can't say that that is not true. We all need to grow toward God through Jesus. And we have to understand that as a church, that's the message of the gospel that we have to give to the world and how important it is that we take that out into the world. And when we talk about breaking barriers down to that, what I want to ask you this morning is, is there a greater purpose? Is there a greater purpose than what the church has in the message of the gospel is to save souls and to save lives? Is there anything more important that could possibly break down the barriers that the world creates? And that's kind of what we're going to go through here for the next 20 minutes. Now, in your bulletin, in the back of the bulletin, I've given you four questions that I want you to take home. I want you to just talk about it around the table with each other. I want you to maybe maybe share the questions with some friends at work and tell them about the sermon this morning. Talk about it, process it, youth group, get together this week and talk about it with each other. See what you can see, what you can pull out of it, because these barriers are very real to you. You're going to recognize each one of them. Here's what you're going to notice. Is this Jesus does not allow a barrier to get in the way of evangelism, of the business of sharing the gospel. He busts right through it. He doesn't allow it to become an issue. And here's some questions I have for you this morning. Are we, are we as a church, are we as individual Christians willing to truly be like Jesus? Truly be like Jesus. Are we willing to overcome every barrier erected by human thought and deed? It's humans that have created these barriers, not God. Human beings. And will we tear every barrier down to reach the people of this world with the gospel? Are we willing to do as Jesus did to do those things? You know, my doctor keeps telling me, Tony, you got to get some exercise. You need need to quit taking the elevator, start start taking the stairs. You know, you need to park your car the furthest out at Walmart. So that you walk in, you're forced to walk in and walk out. So last week we were at the hotel for the baseball tournament. We walk up and I hit the button of the elevator and it won't work. 
And I've got my bag and I've got Jeanette's bag and I've got the baseball bag. And I don't know that everybody else seems to have to go to the bathroom when it comes time for that. Right. So Jeanette walks up and says, what's wrong? I said, the elevator won't work. She said, well, the doctor said you need to take the stairs head on up. And she hands me her purse and walks off again. How can a person go to the bathroom twice in five minutes? It just doesn't work that way. It's a barrier. And what Jeanette and the doctor saying is you've got to jump it. Are we willing to jump those barriers of life. Let's read our text together this morning. John four verses one through twenty six. I'm going to jump off of it a time or two, but I'll try to stay with it as much as I can as we walk through it. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who was baptized, uh, who baptized, but his disciples so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, just real quick, I am going to take an exit ramp. Notice here that what Jesus, what we learn in this story is, is the people's perception was that Jesus was doing that was the one baptizing. But really, it was his entire following. You know, we want to be a church that our entire following is engaged and involved in the evangelistic process. I want you to think for just a second. Do we really want if we asked ourselves, do we really want this church to grow? Now, members of Heartland Church of Christ here this morning, we have some visitors mixed in amongst us. But members, raise your hand if you'd like to see this church grow. OK, there's not. There, is there any if, if anybody sees a member that didn't have their hands up, kick them. As members of the Lord's church, we want the church to grow. Now, let me ask you, how many of us are engaged in individual Bible studies with someone who needs to know Jesus? It ain't going to grow that way, church. It's not going to grow that way. His disciples need to be evangelizing. I'm not dogging us. I'm not getting down on us. I'm just saying that if we wanted this to grow incrementally, if we want to use that baptistry every week or every day of the week, you and I got to work together. We got to be in this together. We got to be a team that's baptizing. All right, back to the text. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. That's going to be important. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's going to be important. Jesus answered her, if you knew that the gift of God is who it is that asked you you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would given you living water. Now, I'm going to take an exit ramp just real quick from the text. What is it we have to offer to the world? Salvation. Living water. A life away from the eternal death that we've created by our sin in separation from God. This week at my house, I had this humongous pile of brush, probably 20 foot in diameter. and It was over my head when we first started. And I've watched the old timers where I'm from and they burn that brush and they must they're really good at it. I mean, they know how to burn it about a half hour. It's gone. So I got a little lighter fluid and I poured it in one edge of it. And I thought, I'll start on this side and kind of burn my way over and I'll use my rake. So I had my rake and I had my garden hose and I had my hot dog stick. 
OK, and I don't know why, but all the old timers always say, if you're going to light something up like that, have a hot dog stick. I think in case the fire department's called, you can tell them you have a weenie roast. <laughs> so I light this dude up and I'm going to tell you something, folks, there ain't no control in it at one edge when the brush has been sitting there for a year. The next thing you know, I got a 20 foot diameter fire going 20 foot in the air and it's burning the leaves off the trees. And I'm just waiting for the sirens to light up. And I remembered something. When I started out with my and, I, and by the way, I'm standing there with a garden hose spraying it and the neighbors laughing. And I remember as I was going out, the neighbor said, you want me to run my my garden hose down there, too, and you'll have two and I'll help you. And I was like, I'm a man. I'm a man with a salmon shirt. I, I do not need your help, pal. Just stay on your porch. You're old. You'll get hurt. And so now without my eyebrows and I'm standing down there with a garden hose and I keep looking up at the house like I hope my boys wake up soon because I need help. I need help. And, and by the time I'm out there choking, on help. OK, I needed help. And folks, there's people like this woman that we're going to see that we see in this text that need help. They need help. And sometimes they won't go seeking help. Help has to go seeking them. All right, let's return to the text. I got all busy and I forgot where I'm at. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw water with. Verse 11. And the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go and call your husband and come back. This is going to be important. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Important part of the story. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Woman said, Jesus, I believe, believe me, it is a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation. Is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must, must worship him in the spirit and in the truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you, I am he. You know, church, so, so very important, some issues here. And we're going to take a look one at a time here for just just the next few minutes. I want to begin with the gender barrier, the gender barrier. Look at look at John four and twenty seven. We know that, that the gender was a barrier here because it says in four four twenty seven, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman, a woman. But no one asked. What do you want or why are you talking with her? Well, here, here's the truth. A Jewish rabbi, as Jesus was, was not to talk to a woman in public, period. 
He wasn't to talk to him. In fact, those that held true to this rabbinic law or this rule, they wouldn't even talk to their own wives in public. I know wives what you're thinking. What a blessing. They wouldn't even talk to their own wives. In fact, those that held held very strictly to it, when a woman came into their presence in the public, the men would stop and they would close their eyes. They would stop and close their eyes until the woman left their presence. Ladies, what would you think about that? You're walking through the store, dude just stops and goes like this. But this is how hard some of them held to this law. So for Jesus to go up to this woman at the well and just start talking to her was completely against the rules. So why did he do it? Here's why he did it. This Jewish rabbi broke that rule because it was more important for this woman to know the gospel than it was for him to follow his rule. You hear me? Brothers and sisters, I want us to be careful as we cling to our, our, our understanding and our fundamental rules that we don't tie the hands of evangelism. We are a people that hold in, the, hold in our hands on a daily basis the gospel of Jesus. And we have men and women who are trained well enough in that gospel to share the gospel with others who don't know it. And we don't want to tie the hands of people who need to be out being evangelists. Gender cannot come into play in the aspect of sharing the gospel. Um, I would like to share with you a brother and sister, a story of brother and sister A.J. Lyons. Brother Lyons was a preacher at the Midtown Church of Christ in Muncie, Indiana, an inner city work that primarily focused on the projects in the inner city. And A.J., Brother A.J., went home to be with the Lord. I was about my third or fourth year of, of youth ministry. And so our congregation for the next three years picked up their benevolent work at Christmas time. And I'll never forget the first all, all the years I did it, every time I would go to their homes, the homes of their members, a lot of single moms with little children, and we would be delivering Christmas presents. Guess who would be around the dinner table studying the Bible with the women her children, sometimes teenage children, and sometimes baby daddies and other people outside the realm of the family who were grown adults, it would be Sister Lyons. Because she knew the Bible, and she knew the gospel, and she knew that those households needed to know the gospel. And she didn't let traditionally what her congregation thought, and many times and often about gender, Keep her from being an evangelist. Never forget the time she called me. She said, Brother Dishman, you got to meet me over at the church building. I said, Sister Lyons, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I got one on the hook. (laughs) The man who she had on the hook was the father of a child of the woman he was living with in her congregation. And he wanted to be baptized and he wanted to get married. He wanted it to happen all in the same night, but he argued with me for a half of an hour because Sister Lyons wanted me to baptize him after she had shared the gospel. And we had to work through all that. I just want us to be careful, church. I'm not saying change the rules of the Bible, but I'm saying don't let gender get in the way. Number two, the racial barrier. We'd like to believe that's not there, but any of us who pay attention to our politics and to our news agencies know that the racial barrier is still very much alive in the world we live in. 
You know, there was a hatred for the Samaritans. The northern kingdom was taken into captivity by the Assyrians. And the southern kingdom was in captivity by the Babylonians. And God had warned them, don't intermarry. Don't intermarry out of your faith. Well, when all the Jews were taken away into captivity and there were just a few left in this region, foreigners moved in. And when the foreigners moved in, the Jews intermarried with them. And it created a culture that they they would call half-breeds when those from captivity came back from Babylonia. Well, the ones from the northern kingdom with the Assyrians intermarried. So the, the purity of those people were gone. And so we have introduced to us the Samaritan, the half-breed, the detested race of people. And we have a Jewish rabbi that throws gender out the door and now he throws race out the door and he meets this Samaritan woman at the well. When her shadow hit him, he should have been running to the shower to wash himself, to clean himself. But that wasn't Jesus. Because Jesus knew more importantly, this woman needed to hear the gospel. And she needed to hear that she could be saved from this mess of a life that she was living in. Now, I want you to imagine for just a minute what things had to be put aside. See, because to the root of racism is pride. It's ignorance. It's a lack of mercy and love. And it's a lack of God's will and understanding. You know, and those are pretty big things. When it comes to who we are. I want us at Heartland. To make sure to do everything in our power to put our pride aside. To not be ignorant, but to be educated. And to never lack mercy or love, but to be filled with mercy and love and always be understanding of what God wants. He wants every race and color and tongue to be saved. And so we do everything in our power to deliver the gospel to anyone who will listen in any way we possibly can. How many of you sat in Bible class this morning to hear Brother John Gack? Had the opportunity to listen to Brother John present. And and Brother John, I love you, but I I can't understand everything you say. You know why? Because you come from a different place. Amen. And he works in a different place. But we do everything we can to take the gospel to that other place. Amen. And Brother John needs your help with that. If you get a chance, see him before you leave. He's the one that's a little bit taller than all the rest of us. We do everything we can to tear down the race barrier. And at the root of this racism was hatred and anger and jealousy. Sound familiar? Because that's at the root of a lot of races. I want to introduce you to a couple. Chuck and Jane, Ch- Chuck and Jane Griffiths work at the Mobile Inner City Ministry. Chuck's the guy who just started doing ministry work as a missionary in this work. And he has worked in the inner city for years. I know we've went to Mobile for 20 years. We've on and off. We went to Mobile. Chuck's worked through diabetes. He's worked through heart issues. Um. He's worked in the inner city baptizing more people that are outside his race than anybody I know. He now has a beautiful wife that he met doing that ministry work. And they have a beautiful child they share life with. And you know where you'll catch him Monday through Friday on a yellow bus driving through the projects 
of Mobile, Alabama, sharing the gospel. Never forget the lady that stood up one night as Chuck was preaching. And she said, that fat white boy can preach. And he's just kept preaching ever since. Number three, and I got to hurry here. Number three is the social barrier. See, the problem with this woman was she wasn't just detested by the Jews because of uh, because of what race she was. And she wasn't just detested by men because of what gender she was. You want to use that word or reject it, if you would, in this particular engagement. She was also an outcast of her own people. Why? Well, look at John four seventeen through 18. She answers it. I have no husband. Which was a defining means or defining characteristic in this culture. But then she goes on to say this. You're right when you say I have no husband or when you say you have no husband. Jesus says the fact is you've had five and the one you're living with and your husband. Now, those of you ever done any door knocking and, and, and gotten the card to do the door knocking. Anybody want to do this house visit? Well, let's see. Woman's got, oh, man, she's been divorced five times and currently living with another man. Because this is this is the approach. Yes. Hello. I, I'm from the Church of Christ. You don't change the way you're living. You're going to hell. Now, we laugh. We laugh. But let me. Let me just talk to you for a minute. Real. If you went out and polled a lot of people who's had their door knocked on by a lot of our folks, that would they would. That's how they would talk about the encounter. I'm not talking about just folks from the Church of Christ here at Heartland. I'm talking about our tribe, our movement, our people. I had one guy tell me from from down here when I was working out the other day. He said, yeah, he said, you know, you're, you're one of those Church of Christ preachers. I said, yeah. And he said, you know, he said, there's only one other group of people I fear more than you. I said, who's that? He said, those guys on the bicycles with ties. (laughs) I don't want people to fear his church. Man, Jesus, if you if you read this story, you see how Jesus just set this woman's heart at ease. And she was from the other side of the track. She was a reject. She was a reject from her own people. But Jesus engages with her where she's at. And his his desire to evangelize her outweigh these first three barriers. And here's the final barrier. And we just we read it into her living situation. And that's the 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 barrier of sexuality. Because this lady's a fornicator. Yeah, she's living with this guy. She's sleeping with a guy she's not married to in this culture. You can put two and two together and get four. It's okay. You got young ears aren't ready to handle it. Plug them up. And fornication in the Bible is is put together with a lot of other sexual immorality. Look with me, if you will, turn to first Corinthians six, twelve through nineteen. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? 
Shall I then take members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said that two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord and one with him is one with him in the spirit. Now listen, church, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do not do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought bought at a price. Therefore, Honor God with your bodies. God makes it clear through the Apostle Paul how he feels about the sexuality of human beings. And yeah, fornication sandwiched in with let's think about some of the other ones, you know, ill-advised heterosexuality, homosexuality. Brandon helped us go through on our Wednesday nights here recently some hard discussions about where we're at culture. You don't have to go very far, guys, in our culture to understand we are a messed up culture sexually. It's messed up. And this culture was as well. Sin hasn't changed much, unfortunately. But Jesus took this moment to meet this lady where she was at and share the gospel. And gave her hope. And gave her the security of knowing that God wanted her to grow closer to him. Heartland, I am so proud of this place. I'm so happy and blessed to be the minister of this group of people, this congregation. Because if there's one thing I know, if there's one thing I know, brothers and sisters, this is a pretty safe place for someone to walk through the door. Here's the question I have to ask, though. Is your home that way? Individually, are we equipped to evangelize these people? Because I want us to grow incrementally. I want the kingdom to grow here at Heartland Church incrementally. I want every individual in this congregation to be working to bring someone to Christ. To be going out and seeking that person at the well that's waiting on you to bring the message of Jesus to them. Don't just come here on Sunday morning and sit with me in this place and wait for somebody to walk through the door so you can smile at them. And hope that the process brings them to Christ. Let's go out looking for them. And let's work diligently at that. Because that's the example we have in Jesus. Yeah, we will get some Nicodemuses. They'll come looking for us. But let's go find some of those women standing at the well. And let's evangelize. And let's take a message that we know saves the souls of people who are lost. And let's bring them to Christ. Let's bring them closer to God through Jesus. Amen. It starts in this room this morning. If any of you are at this place where you're, you're, you're a distance from God and you need to bring that distance closer, please use this time. Use this time to come back closer to God. If you don't know Jesus this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to be baptized into Christ and be one with Jesus, I invite you to come forward. Don't let this moment pass. Become a warrior for God and his family and pursue that relationship that Jesus wants you to have with your God and creator as we stand and sing.